and welcome to the Kia Coachman Basketball Podcast, where I'm bringing the new year with my first episode in a long time. After many technical difficulties over the past few months, I'm finally back, and I'm here bringing you a great guest, my good friend Matthew Ho. What's up, man? What's up, Kia? I mean, you can also say we had technical difficulties in the last 10 minutes, too. That that was something. (laughs) Yeah, there's been about five podcasts today I've tried to record that um, Anchor was just not having it. Hopefully this one works. Uh, And on that note, to the listeners, there was someone else supposed to be here today. You will see him later. You'll be really happy he's coming on the pod. But luckily, since that kind of fell through again because of technical difficulties, I got someone equally as great. Uh, so thank you so much for stepping in, Matthew. Appreciate it. I don't know if I match the you know the greatness of the other guests. That's a that's a that's a big name right there. But you know I'm happy <laughs> happy to to come on. But yeah, we can get right into this. Yeah. So. Today, we're going to focus on some tendencies and skills and like just kind of style changes that stars or like specific players are implementing in their game today, like specifically this season or I guess in like recent history and how those affected their games and brought them to the next level. We'll look at like maybe trends we find and just kind of see how players improve even without necessarily changing their skill set. Anything yeah. you want to add? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, cutting out kind of like the extra fat in your game, uh, I think it's a pretty big set, especially when you get to like these more star levels, which mainly we're going to be talking about star guys, like maybe cutting out less floaters, mid-range jumpers, turning those into getting fouls at the rim, um, just getting to the rim itself. Um, but yeah, I think the first guy we want to talk about kind of embodies that, um, which is Donovan Mitchell. Um, yeah, you can yeah. start us off with Donovan. Yeah, great time to talk about him after he scored 71 points last night, the most since Kobe Bryant's 81 points. And, I mean, even aside from just that game, it's been really clear to me and many others that Mitchell has taken a big leap this year for many reasons. And I think the biggest of those being how he's changed his shot selection and his general play style. Yeah, so I think Mitchell this year, he's doing a – a better job um, of just kind of getting closer to the rim. He's taking, I think, less of these uh, more floaters where he's trying to get over the big. um, And now he's kind of getting a little more all the way to the basket. But that doesn't mean, because when people say like, oh, getting to the rim, it doesn't necessarily mean like jumping off one foot, getting to the the rim. Because Mitchell is a kind of a small guy. He's still like a 6'2 guard. It's pretty hard to finish over the top of people consistently. Um, But at least just like eye test wise, I've noticed, He's added a little bit more like jump stop to his game, like jump stop playing off two feet, pivots, um, kind of like pump fakes around like around the basket and, and kind of hitting those type of like touch shots, which I think is pretty big for him. Yeah, I agree completely. I think like even just looking at the numbers, as you looked at last year, 14% of his shots came from like at the rim and about 24% of them came in the floater range. Whereas this year, 21% come at the rim and 14 are coming from that floater range. And this means two things. It means, one, he's getting more of the most efficient shots in, the, uh, in basketball because, I mean, everyone knows a layup is the best shot you can get. It's kind of the first thing you're taught when you're learning basketball. 
And two, the shots that he is getting in the floater range are now better shots, more likely to go in. So it's just like an all-around improvement in every way. He's more efficient. He's getting better looks. He draws the defense more, meaning he helps his teammates more. And I think this is kind of the big thing that has changed him from like a bona fide star All-NBA guy to an MVP level player. I mean, yeah. I think he, he's not like the best of the best. Like he's not at the level of the best player in the world. But I would say this has brought him to like a top 10 level, like always in the conversation of someone who can take your team to a championship. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest jump is that now he's kind of more in the conversation of being like a driver, like a soul man driver of efficient offense. And if you think about the team context he was in last year versus this year, I mean, the Jazz, like that's like the ultimate spacing you get with just the high-level shooting they had around him, a really good roller in uh, Rudy Gobert. But you look at his numbers, right? I'm looking at the, his synergy shot types. Last year, um, points possession-wise um, at the rim, he ranked in the 59th percentile, 1.304 uh, points per possession. This year, he, this is actually bumped up to the 66th percentile. Um, so that's a, that's a step up this year. Um, and if you think about it, the Cavaliers, they sometimes are playing three non-shooters on the floor at the same time with Allen, Mobley, Okoro, slash Lamar Stevens. Um, so with less spacing, he's actually shooting um, close to the same level he was last year and actually technically even a little better, just marginally. Yeah. And it's something that's always been kind of like baffling to me because someone with the ability, like the physical abilities Donovan Mitchell has, he has a great frame. Like he's short, but he's like big for like his height. And he's always had incredible athleticism. He's low to the ground so he can get into tight spaces. Very shifty, great ball handling. It was always a little weird to me how often he settled for less than perfect shots. And I really think that's the main thing that he's changed this year. Like, yeah, he's shooting better than he did last year, but that's probably due to getting easier shots, at least to an extent. Yeah. And yeah. Like uh, he had, like his handles might be better, but really more than anything, I think this leap has come from just the way he's getting to his shots rather than his skill itself. Yeah, because, I mean, year to year, at, at this point of his career, it's like any skill increase he has is probably a little bit more on the marginal side. Um, so that that leap's probably going to come for, uh, I don't know, like taking just taking more of those types of looks, like being more intentful on, like, the way he's um, on the way he's driving for the basket. Like you saw in the beginning of his career when, I mean, he was, like, peak athleticism. Like he's just trying to, like, go over guys, like, every play. Like I remember, I think it's either rookie or sophomore year, they're playing, like, the – the Houston Rockets, and he was definitely on the younger side. He just wasn't as polished as he was now. But, like, I just remember him just, like, challenging, like, Clint Capella, like, under the basket in one of their playoff series against, like, the Rockets. Just, like, yeah, trying to dunk on them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's – I mean, if you can do that on occasion, I mean, that that's great. Like, you know, late help, just just yam on someone. Um, but at some point, you know, you got to add a little bit more to your game, and I think he's added that. He plays off of, of two feet a lot more now. Um and he's always kind of done that a decent amount. That's getting better year by year. Um, but this year you kind of see it. And just like watching his like 71-point game uh, yesterday, like a lot of it too is just like, you know, he he gets two feet into the paint, pump fakes, gets his guy to kind of like fly by, creates a little space. Maybe he'll like fade back a little bit uh, or just like hit these little touch shots, which I think are pretty huge for his game in terms of 
him becoming a more efficient efficient scorer. Yeah, when he was younger, he got a lot of comparisons to Dwayne Wade. And I never really loved the comparison. I think they do a lot of things very different. But I will say the way he gets his shots around the basket now is a lot more reminiscent of a Dwayne Wade type player than uh, how it used to be. And I feel like anyway, if you're looking like Dwayne Wade at all, you're probably doing something right. So <laughs> Yeah. That's true. Um, I mean, I guess there's something to that comparison with just the reckless abandonment they kind of play, just getting to the basket. But I actually think um, one of the steps up Mitchell's made, I think he's a lot more controlled of a player now. Like yeah. he's not, you don't see those reckless drives where he doesn't really have a plan. Like, you know, he, he's getting to the basket. He knows his reads, like just playing in that system in Utah, I think has really allowed him to start seeing like those backside skip reads whenever he draws help. Like those being kind of like money for him um last year and then i think the the other thing too um like you can look at last night i mean he scored 71 points which is still just mind-boggling to me like just that seven numbers like even like 60 is like you know like sometimes yeah, it feels like, like not out it. of the normal yeah 70 is like that's like the number that it's like oh my god like that's a ton of points even yeah it's like you know, 70 70 is like now you did something special yeah exactly and in, t- in today's game but like my, my point in that was he got to the line 25 times um, he had 20, 20 free throw uh, makes, so he had 20 points off that. Um, and when you watch the highlights, so the, I think the NBA website, they post on their YouTube, um, just every one of his made baskets. And there was a streak in the second half where, I mean, it was just, I think it was in the fourth quarter. It was just all free throws, like, like back to back to back. Um, they didn't show how he got to the line. I didn't, haven't gotten a chance to, to watch that game yet. And I, I will do probably after um, this podcast. But, I mean, getting to the line for him is also just, that's a really big part of his game. Yeah. Yeah. So I think all of these kind of go hand in hand. I think getting all the way to the rim, being more controlled in his drive, like you said, adding more fakes really just kind of opens up everything. It opens up his playmaking. Even if the assists are like slightly down, you got to consider that he's handling the ball less. So like, you know, that's not all you look at when you um, look at playmaking. And it, it really just kind of, I think this tendency shift was the last piece to bring the complete offensive juggernaut that is Donovan Mitchell together. Yeah, I mean, now you have his you have his athleticism. He's still a pretty decent athlete. Uh, I mean, more way more than decent. That's kind of underselling his athleticism. Yeah, he's only 26. He's still a pretty incredible athlete, like yeah. you're saying. Yeah, and then, I mean, you have the shooting that's kind of come around these past few seasons. Now he's kind of figuring out how to get to the rim, drawing fouls. Um, and I, I think this is like a more of an intangible opponent, but I think just like it kind of ties into the, the control aspect I was talking about. You don't see some of those like reckless drives anymore, but just like him, like, like I think that ties into like just a mental component part of his game where he is more controlled. And if you just like look at his demeanor on the court, he's very like level-headed. I know that's something, it's, it's kind of like a cliche thing to, to say, but I think one area that shows up is just on his free throw routine. If you watch him, he'll close his eyes like during his free throw routine yeah. now, just like there's like a second of like, I don't know, like meditation. Um, and that's not something you see out of every player. You know, not every, every player is going to have the kind of like the confidence, not the confidence, but like the, just like the will to like do something abnormal, you know, like when everyone's watching you, you're closing your eyes. Like some people like, you know, they might, might think people, people look at them weird for that, but yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's done. I think that's kind of like a good way to like epitomize like how he's improved 
um, in that area. And it's hard to measure because we don't know him personally or like what he does in like the off season. Um, but I, I, that's yeah, like I know thing you mean. Yeah. It's definitely, you can say it's symbolic of, of some of the improvements he's made. Yeah, sure. exactly. Okay. Um, you have anything else to say on Donovan Mitchell? No, I, I think, I think that's good. Um, I mean, just a drive. I think he's a driver of efficient offense now. That's some, not something you necessarily would say in the prior years. You might attribute that more to like his um, circumstance, circumstance with the jazz, but now, you know, he's not playing in that most ideal offensive situation. And he's still doing even better than he was prior. So props to props to Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Okay, so next up, I want to talk about somebody who I think it's kind of funny because I think a theme we'll see in this episode of the podcast, like in this conversation, is a lot of players spend like their early 20s um, strengthening their skill sets. And then once they kind of get, I guess, as far as they can reasonably get or around as far as they can reasonably get skill wise, then once they get to like their prime, like 26, 27, they, like we said, focus more on tendencies, like we just said with Donovan Mitchell. But I want to talk about a player who polished his skill set so much before even hitting that age that I honestly, like already the only thing I can really point to to his improvement is tendencies. And that player is Luka Doncic who at the age of 23 is averaging on the season 34 points, <laughs> nine assists, and nine rebounds with 11 free throws attempted, 36% from three. I mean, just like yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. That's a ridiculous stat line. Like, I mean, just 34 points in itself, and then you you put that he's almost <laughs> averaging a triple-double. It's just it's mind-blowing. And when you watch him, though, it, ma- it makes sense. So, Yeah. So, to me, the main thing I've noticed with Luka Doncic this year is I feel like he's doing a lot more stuff, like, in the paint. And not saying he didn't – or not not in the paint, in the three-point line. And not saying that he didn't get inside the three-point line before this year because he always did. But it feels like a lot more of his stuff is starting from inside the three-point line instead of just, like – taking it from the top of the key, driving it in, kicking or taking it all the way. He's in the high post a lot more. He's really dissecting teams, almost like a big man, despite the fact that he is, I mean, like has some of the best guard skills we've ever seen. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely playing a little bit more out of the post. If you're just looking at his, at his play type frequencies, it's up 13.6% from uh, 9.3% last year. And then even the efficiency there, um, last year he ranked in the uh, 56th percentile in, in points possession on post-ups on a 0.942. Um, now he's in the 69th percentile, 1.046. Um, so, I mean, that's a legitimate area that now he's he can really attack you from uh, just because he's just so big and just overwhelms guys. And he also has, like, the turnaround phase just to counter if a, if a defense kind of loads up on him. Um, yeah. And also, it's just a lot easier to pass out of there, I think, because you're already kind of in the middle of the, the defense. So if they load up, you, you kind of see the whole floor and you kind of like spray out, um, kind of spray out the shooters. Like, like to me, he's just like a walking like advantage, like all the time. Like anything he does, he's like creating some sort of advantage 
like for his teammates and they're very quality advantages too. Like the defense really has to shift towards them. And that's kind of like the theory of like the whole Mavericks offense is you're, you're playing through Luca, like heliocentrism, and playing through him every time. And you're going to get like a pretty efficient shot. Um, personally, I have gripes about, you know, how, how long that type of play style is going to like last in the, in the playoffs, but that's a se- bit of a separate conversation. We're talking about his development, like the post-ups are there playing out of the elbows and that's just a really dangerous spot like within the three uh, three point arc yeah i do agree about the issues with heliocentrism but i think this newfound like style actually i think it can i think one of the reasons it's so good is because it can get luca and the mads away from that heliocentric style where like, I don't think the issue with it is necessary that Luca does everything. I think it's that the offense is the same type every time, you know? Like, yeah. dribbling at the top of the key, whatever. It's just so variety. Think, it's getting variety. Exactly. So now that, now that it's coming through the post more, yes, it's still going through Luca, but it, like you said, it adds more variety to the offense. And I think that is, it's really hard to overstate how important that is. Because, yeah. Like, it just – any layer that you can add to your offense is one more thing that the defense has to pay attention to and try to cover. And when you already have someone like Luca who is so good that even if he's only attacking on one note, like the last few seasons, he's only coming – he has, for the most part, only been coming from the top of the key, and still defenses couldn't do anything about him. So now you add this too, and it's just that much more scary for an opposing defense to stop. Yeah, going back to his play types really quick, kind of with the point you said about kind of adding more variety and he's not just like dribbling it up top on the floor. Um, his pick and roll ball handler possessions are, I mean, we, were, we haven't had the full season. I'm looking at his last year's stats versus this year. Um, but last year he was a pick and roll ball handler 42.7% of the time. Um, of his own possessions and that's down to 35%, which is still a lot, but um, at least now you see he's adding a little bit more with like the, the post-ups have definitely uh, jumped up a bit for him. Um, I, unless you have anything to add like with the growth, I think another part of Luca though, is just like, it still feels like there's more he can tap into like in trans, I think transition's a big one and just like more off ball movement and like spot ups. Like he really doesn't do any of that like frequently at all. Um, and I feel like that's something I, I wish he could do, but I get it. He's such a good half court player. Like, what do you think of that sort of deal? I definitely agree with the transition aspect of it. I think because he's so good in the half court and because he's not the most athletic, like it's been a thing that, I mean, people have said he's out of shape. I don't know how true that is, but it could be possible that he doesn't want the game to speed up that much. You know, like he, it's more comfortable for him when he's slower and he can like, or when the game is slower and he can really pick apart a team. So, but I do agree. I think all playmakers or all pastors really thrive the most in transition. And when you have someone as gifted as a passer as Luca is, I, I do agree that he should be looking for more in transition. And in terms of playing off ball, yeah, I mean, I think everyone can always play better off ball. Luca certainly is not very active without the ball but I think it's not like I used to think it was a really big thing that he should fix and I still think there's a lot of room to improve there but not I don't believe it's as vital as I thought it was before 
yeah, I mean, he's already like this good of a player, um, even with like, I would say probably pretty difficult shot quality at times um, or just, I mean, just such a tough load. But to me, like, it's scary that he's primarily pick and roll ball handler isolation. Now he's adding this post-up element, but like the transition spot up, like coming off handoff, stuff like that. Like that's all low hanging fruit that he's definitely like more than capable of doing. He's just choosing not to do it. And that's like, yeah, that's kind of like the scary part. Like maybe we'll see later down in his career, like he'll start doing some of those things. And then I don't, I don't even know what he's going to look like at that point. I mean, but there's like low hanging fruit that he's not getting and he's already so good. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And I do agree with that. I guess it's just the way I'm thinking about it is if you really think, why would he, like what advantage does it give the Mavericks to play him in that role more or for like for him to play in that role more? It's again, I think it's because it gives more variety to the offense. And so in a sense, like the fact, like he's already bringing more variety to the offense in different ways. And I just see him playing off ball as another means to that end. You know what I mean? Like I feel like him playing off ball is kind of, do it would be kind of doing a similar thing as like what we're talking about with him posting up just in terms of bringing a new dynamic yeah yeah that makes sense um i had this like thought yesterday about like the heliocentrism thing like like it's kind of like the dilemma we're kind of talking about right now where it's like what justifies taking the ball out of his hands yeah exactly Like, like you don't have anyone good enough and, like, there's probably almost no one in the world that is tech- – like, if you think about it, that's better than him that you would say, oh, I'd rather put the ball in someone else's hands. But I don't think that's necessarily, like, what the point of that argument is. It's it's more you want the other guys to kind of get into more of a rhythm. Like, I know, like, people are like, bro, you pay Reggie Bullock, whatever. Like, I think Reggie Bullock's, like, close to $10 million, like, per year, and he can't make a shot. I mean, it's just, like, a lot of pressure for those guys, I feel, to – like all they do is just like run corner to corner essentially and like have to get those like open threes and, and they're open threes, but it's also like, you don't do anything else. And it's like a lot of pressure to hit those shots. So that's kind of like, I don't know if you completely get what I'm saying, but like the, I, I know kind exactly of, kind yeah. of like, it's like, you don't get that rhythm, you know, like playing basketball, like moving it, like get a variety of looks. Like you're just like standing on, standing on the three point line waiting for a three and you make or miss shots. And that determines if your team wins or loses. Like that's kind of, my yeah. maybe why you would want him to see play a little bit more like moving without the ball stuff like that but that's a bit of a separate separate issue yeah I definitely agree with you on that I guess I would just say for that to positives of him playing off the ball to outweigh the negatives I think you would have to I think you would have to get him players that are more suited like players around him that are more suited to playing with the ball in their hands so that it becomes worth it for them to like for him to play off the ball and they get in their rhythm you know what i mean yeah so yeah the- i mean right now the the way they're construct the mavericks are constructed is just to play luca ball like that's what it is and it, yeah it, we'll see how it does this year but um but yeah yeah if i were in charge of the Mavs, i would definitely make moves to get them to play luca ball less and like you said get like get him more off ball and stuff but Given how the roster is constructed, I think this is the right way. Yeah, that that makes sense. Okay, so uh, is that it on Luca? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you have any other players you want to talk about in this sense? 
man, um, Anthony Edwards. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of Timberwolves stuff this year. Um, currently, I'm currently writing for Canis Hoopus, which is the the SB Nation site for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. And I mean, it's been a it's been a year. They're pretty much at the exactly the same place they were last year in terms of record. And you made this Rudy Gobert trade, so a lot of uh, a lot of controversy right now in the the Minnesota Timberwolves land. You could say, yeah. but I think Anthony Edwards has been a big bright spot, which is a guy I want to I want to talk about. Um, I recently wrote an article kind of about how he's been blending his um, scoring gravity um, that he has and kind of mixing in some more more of his passing. Like he had a he had a streak of games where I mean he was getting close to double digits assists um, when D'Angelo Russell missed a few games, Rudy Gobert was out a few games, Cat's been gone for this whole stretch. You're missing even like role players like Tari and Prince, Jordan McLaughlin that are pretty important to that team in terms of just getting some flow on offense. Um, but I think Ant did a really good job in that stretch, like kind of towards the end of December. Uh, now it's, you know, the team's having other issues. Um, but I think just the way he's been able to blend his scoring and passing has been really, really cool to see. Yeah, I agree completely. I think it's with a team that's constructed as weirdly as the Wolves are, um, you definitely need, I think, for all their ball handlers to be able to score and play make, like you're saying, because they have a lot of, I don't know if it's mouths to feed, but like, I think with Rudy Gobert being added in there, they now have more guys that are dependent on other guys to get them looks. Whereas I feel like last year, D'Angelo Russell could create for himself and others. Ant could do that. Cat could do that for the most part. Um, even guys like Jaden McDaniels could, like, if necessary, take someone off the dribble. Nas Reed could handle the ball. Now that Rudy Gobert is there, I think he's their first player that you really don't trust to handle the ball, which is fine because most big men, you don't trust to handle the ball. Um, so I think that new like layer in the Wolves offense makes it more vital for their ball handlers to be able to set up others, especially with the lane being clogged more too and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's kind of what you saw in this past stretch when they were missing so many guys and they really relied on Ant um, to kind of make things happen. And kind of the, the big thing, because originally like, he went on this like huge assist stretch where he was getting like some, like some really good passing games, just numbers. wise. I was watching them at first and I was like, these aren't like the craziest passes I've ever seen. Like he's not like, like my literally my lead for the article was like, he's not manipulating the defense like a Luka Doncic or like killing a drop big like Trey Young. Like he's just making like really just simple passes. And at first when I I I watched, I'm like, is there even anything to this? Is this like shooting luck? Because it was just a lot of like strong side kickouts. Like someone's helping the gap and he like tries to like penetrate that gap, kicks out to a strong side shooter, and they make a shot. Um, but then I saw this quote from from Chris Finch, um, and it was something along the lines of, like, anytime, like, he said, the essence of offense in the NBA is putting two on the ball, like, whether that's, like, gap help, like, teams sitting in the gaps and you kicking out, drawing two and pick and roll, drawing, like, a hedge. Like, anytime you put two on the ball, even for a split second, like, that's what NBA offense is about and, like, how you play out of that. And, like, Ant's, like, the one guy in that team can, that can generate yeah. that two on the ball type of – like gravity like whenever he wants just because of how 
crazy of a driver he is just he's so athletic and explosive he can just get into the lane whenever he wants he's the threat of his shot now um, which he's not an elite elite shooter but he's definitely taking a step up every year so that's definitely something feasible for him down the line um, but he's just really like turning those he's seeing the floor now like um, there's there's a couple like really nice skip passes he's made um, he's hit the roller a few times and just like even those like those strong side kickouts like just simple passes that he's been making um and even like hockey assist type passes where like he, you know, he'll get the ball, he'll drive it, he'll kick it out. And then like the wolves can like swing, swing, get a good look at a three. Um, just like stuff like that. Um, it's not anything crazy, but it's definitely a step in the right direction and a necessary step for someone to become like an all NBA level player, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree that especially with cat out, he is Anthony Edwards is the only player that can consistently draw real attention. And I want to touch on what you said earlier about the fact that a lot of it is honestly just pretty basic passes. And that's really all you need at this stage. He's only 21. He's shown already like generational scoring potential. And when you have someone like that, at this stage, all he really needs is to be able to show that that he can consistently make easy passes. And from there, I think things will spiral and improve even more. So it's a really encouraging sign that he's already getting better at making those just like, I like consistently making the right decision with those passes. And even like you said, sometimes making more difficult ones, like a skip pass or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you got to start somewhere with the passing. And I I think he's definitely um, taken that, at least some, some sort of like smaller step. Well, actually, I would say it's a pretty um, important, crucial, big step that um, yeah that he's taken this year. And it's also like it was kind of he was forced into this situation because of the situation for the Timberwolves, where I mean, Cat, who's been an Iron Man most of his career until the last few years, like I mean, he had a lot of a co- like COVID last year, and um, yeah, he also had like a kind of like a more fluky injury I think earlier in his career where he like got got into a car accident. I want to say. Yeah, um, I think he only missed like one game from that, though. Yeah, I and then correctly. I mean, and then now and he's I think it was the first game of his career that he missed. Yeah, yeah, show, some, like something like that. Yeah, he was the Iron Man, like you were saying. Yeah, um, but yeah, but just with no cat, like I mean, you think the like, cat is still like I know people are saying like oh trade cat, but like cat is still their I think their their best like in terms of production, like I think he's their best player still. Yeah, like, he has some really frustrating moments where. He's like waving the ball around with one hand, like he's playing water polo, like he's like Nikola Jokic and like chucks it out of bounds. But I mean, he's still like, he's still kind of their guy just in terms of being able to score um, just whenever yeah. he wants to, like consistency. I'm, I'm a hopeless cat defender, so I could be biased, <laughs> but he's still pretty easily the best guy to me. Um, you know, Anthony Edwards would probably surpass him on that in the, the next couple of years which like for the sake of the Timberwolves he should and I think actually that would even benefit Cat more but as of now I do think Cat is their best player and with him out it's really vital that Anthony Edwards is taking these steps that he's taking yeah I mean if the Wolves want to go anywhere like it has to be their best player it can't be it can't be Cat even though um like Cat's I guess pretty beloved for the um the Timberwolves, but I think Cat had also. I know we're getting a little sidetracked with like the Cat talk, but really quickly, like Cat, I think like with his shooting, like I think he he can fit in in more of like, oh, a yeah. secondary role, like spacing For the floor, sure. I mean, elite sport floor space, and whenever he was getting them up by volume, 
Um, last season, he didn't really do that as much. He was more like driving to the basket. That was kind of his thing. Um, but I mean, if you watch like a couple of years ago, like he was, they were literally running like quick, like quick screens for him on the perimeter, like as like an off ball guy to come off to shoot like movement threes. Like he has that in his game. Um, for sure. So that'll be interesting to see like how this team grows a little more. Um, but going back to, to Ant, I'm just like trying to think like, what's kind of the next step? Like, so you the passing, like you saw some passing growth this year, but like, what's kind of like the next step you think for Ant to become like that player? Um, I think a lot of it is actually what we're talking about with the other players. I think a lot of it is tendencies and shot selection. Similar to Donovan Mitchell, Ant is like a transcendent athlete, even more than Donovan Mitchell. I'd say pound for pound, yeah. Anthony Edwards has a really good, not even pound for pound, just in general. I think he has a really good argument for best physical specimen in the league. When you look at his burst, his frame, like how big he is, it's honestly incredible. And too often, he's just kind of pulling up, which he should have in his game, and I'm happy he does because – the pull-up is actually a lot better. Like, the pull-up from him is a lot better than I expected it to be earlier in his career. But still, I don't think it's good enough that it's it's worthy of replacing as many drives as it does. Because when this guy's getting to the basket, I think he's – I think he has the potential to be maybe, like, the most unstoppable driving force ever. Like, I think he's that level of physical specimen. Yeah, I haven't really thought about Ant, like, like not large scope, like, ever. Let me think. Um, I mean, I'm not saying he is that, but I feel like he has that, that potential. Ability. Like, he, he has, like, the build, because, I mean, he's just – his yeah. first step is, like, insane. He's 6'4". He's 225 pounds. Like, he can – like, you yeah. see these, some of these finishes where he, like, gets into the body of the big and, like, just, like, finishes over the top of them, just, like, hangs in the air, like, bumps them – gets them away and he can just like just finish right over the rim like i mean those are just really like really tough shots and he's doing that at such a young age like <laughs> like, not yeah. like he, he is 21 and like i'm looking at his basketball reference page and, like he's literally like one year he's like one year older than me which is like pretty crazy to think about yeah um yeah i mean yeah, also i just i think with the jump shooting too like he i think there's moments where he's like really elite like he I will say he takes some questionable ones, but sometimes he'll just like make them and you're yeah. like, oh my God, like. Yeah, I agree. That's that guy. He's definitely a better shooter. Like, he's definitely a good enough shooter that you're fine with him taking, not even fine, like you'd want him to take a lot of the pull ups he takes, just not as many of them. Yeah, exactly. I, and I, I think free throw attempts too, like by cutting out some of those pull ups, getting to the line a little more, like he's at 5.6 attempts, which is two point or two free throw attempts better than um, his other, his rookie year and sophomore season. Um, so he's at 5.6 attempts right now. I mean, you get that up to seven, eight, like some like the best of the best. And in theory, like he should be able to get that. Like, yeah, there's really not any better athletes. Yeah. So, I mean that, then you get, get up to closer to 30 points. Maybe his three point shooting comes along a little more like, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, future. he has so much room to improve. Yeah, he's already averaging 24 points at 21 years old. Yeah. It's kind so, of like the, the, the same term I use with Doncic, like the kind of like the low-hanging fruit. Like just with just yeah. improving your jump shot, like getting to the line more, that's like easily attainable stuff. Like easy. Yeah, he's definitely the king of 
having low-hanging fruit right now. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing because, I mean, like, if anything, I would say it's a good thing because it means you have so much special stuff that what you really need to focus on is just the easy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, that's it on Ant? Yeah, yeah, that's all I had. Okay, so we had two players left in mind. Um, I want to talk about Nikola Jokic, who, as unbelievable as it sounds to say, despite being the reigning back-to-back MVP, I feel like there's a really good argument that he's better now this year. It it does feel like that a little bit. Like, it just, <laughs> every time I turn on, like, I know he's not playing, like, the best competition at all times, like, in the regular season, but just, like, you feel like there's nothing anyone can do about, like, <laughs> like what he is on the floor. And, like, that's not anything, like, quantifiable or anything, but that's just, like, kind of, like, the feeling I get when I watch him. Like, like how are you supposed to stop this guy? Like, there's no coverage you can you can play. Like, there's maybe, like, five defenders in the NBA that legitimately has enough size, strength, mobility to guard him. And at the same time, like, he, his touch is so good, he can just – just finish over them like he just makes shots yeah so what i've noticed with him is and this is like the main trend i've seen while doing this again he's just kind of cleaning up his shot selection and it's not drastic and the thing about Jokic is he can shoot from anywhere on the floor like he's a three-level scorer definitively so when i say like He's shooting less threes. That's not necessarily a good thing. Or like, it's not a bad thing for him to shoot threes, is what I'm saying, because he's good at them. But the fact that he's taking more of his shots closer to the basket, he's shooting more at the rim than he did for the past three seasons. He's shooting more like outside the like in the paint, but not at the rim. Um, and I think that's what's really driving his efficiency. Like if you look at it. His true shooting is the highest it's ever been, 69%. <laughs> and I think that's the big – not to mention that he's the best – arguably probably like the second best playmaker of all time in my opinion. So when he's averaging like 25.6 points on 69% true shooting, I think the like – I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to – I'm trying to think, like, I'm looking at his, his synergy page from 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 last year to this year, and it's just, like, I'm, I'm kind of mind-blowing. Like, I, I, it's really hard to poke, hole, poke holes in, like, any part of his offensive game. And I guess, like, the one thing is the three-point shooting. He's kind of cut that out um, a little more. Like, he's playing playing within the arc. Um, and I, yeah. I think that's a good thing. I don't think there's, a there's like, I don't really have a problem with him not shooting threes. Like, I don't really think yeah, that's, that's, what I'm saying. that's not essential to his game at all. Like, if you're going to be, like, the primary like hub of your offense like you don't need to be standing out there jacking up threes like that's exactly what i'm saying i think the way he's improved at least from what i've seen is that even though he's a good three-point shooter the fact that he's playing within the arc more now i think just kind of accentuates all his strengths like it makes it even easier for him to get better looks for his teammates it makes it even easier for him to get more efficient looks for himself and uh yeah yeah i mean i think that's really it like yeah playing closer to the basket i mean even if you think about it in terms of just like just like running a pick and roll like from the three-point line versus inside the arc like 
Because if you're running the, they're like, I know they're patented five one pick and roll with like Murray setting like that yeah. ball screen. Oh, I right? love that. When you're on the, when he's on, the, I mean, he's already unstoppable when he was handling the ball and like, I mean, not unstoppable, but like really, really efficient offense right there. Like when they're outside of the three point line. Now imagine doing that within the three point line where you can't go under Jokic because he's going to hit, he can hit the mid range. If you go under, you can, he can just like take that space and just drive into and barrel you under the basket. Like he's super strong and big. Like now you can't go under. Now that's opening up stuff for whoever's setting that screen who can pop, who can slip it. Now you have like some short roll stuff. Like, I mean, the, the Nuggets offense is just, I, I know it's like what you said, like it's hard to like come up with things to say about their, about him just like as a player um, and as a whole, just because his game right now on the offensive end is just such, um, it's just like so good. What, what about the defensive end? Unless you have anything else you want to mention for the, the offense. Um, on defense, I actually just made a tweet about this yesterday. I'm starting to actually get lower on Jokic defensively because just like thinking about it, he is arguably – like he's in the conversation for best offensive player ever, in my opinion, or like at least around there. And yet I don't think he – has the overall impact that a lot of the like best players ever have, like the top 10 type people. And I think that's because he does have his flaws on defense. I think it's fine in the regular season, like not a big issue at all for the most part, but come playoffs, I do think that's one of the things that kind of holds him back from being like one of the best ever. Or like he is one of the best ever, but you know what I mean. Yeah. What in specific have you seen that's, kind of been problematic for you on that end? I think it's just like, I mean, I'm not breaking any ground here. I think it's just kind of his mobility at times. Like, like if he's playing at the level, I think he's not, like, he doesn't have the mobility to play at the level and then also kind of drop back consistently. But he also isn't great in drop because he's not, great like he's not imposing enough to contest shots extremely well and like on the move so i do think playing him at the level is probably the best option but it's not like i don't love it yeah i mean there's also just like the inherent issues that come with playing at the level where now like the roller gets behind um behind Jokic, opens up the lobs um but i also think for just modern day defense in general like you want to have your base coverage, right? Whether that be drop, whether that be high walling like the Wolves did last year. You need some sort of base, but at the same time for the playoffs, I feel like having versatility exactly. um, is kind of the main thing. And he ha- doesn't – you can't really play him. Or, I mean, I guess you could play him in a variety of coverages. It's just not going to end well in any coverage you play. So exactly. that's, kind of, that's kind of the issue. And you kind of need to make up for that with, like, just team-building structure, having some, like, backline rim protection, just multiple people that can um, – rotate over and in theory i feel like they should have that like aaron gordon i mean he can get up there vertically um he's strong but he's also going to be guarding a lot of like primary wing um, yeah so guys so he's not going to be it, there a lot of it comes out to michael porter jr for that yeah which is because of what uh, you said yeah i mean michael porter jr is just not not there um on that end i mean just still like the off ball lapses are still there and just not really, yeah. just not really always engaged. I mean, in theory, he should be able to do it because he's six ten. Um, like I, I wish he was able to do that, and I, I feel like the Nuggets want him to do that. He just, he just isn't doing that to the level they need right now. Yeah, I don't think he's terrible at it, but 
the most important part of that sentence that you just said is to the level that they need. He can do it to an extent, and he's getting better at it, probably will get better at it, but not yet as good as they need him to be. Yeah, like that's what they need for, for Jokic, just for that team to take um, take the next step. Do you, do you buy this? I know this is kind of like big picture type stuff, but do you buy that this team is like a yeah. legitimate playoff threat this year? Oh, for sure. Like contender? I like thought that. 2021 before – or yeah, that was 2021. Before they got injured, um, I thought they were the best team in the league for that stretch. Like that, that little stretch. I, I remember you talking about like, yeah. like that little stretch, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's something Zach Lowe talks about a lot too. I think if I had to choose a champion at that point in the season, I would have chosen them and then the injuries happened. Um, the NBA is very uncertain this year. With the Clippers still not looking in complete health, I actually do have the Nuggets as my Western favorite. Assuming okay. that they, like, I'm assuming that Porter and Murray will get fully back to where they are and or where they were and not only get back but continue to improve because they are young players. Yeah, I mean if you so think about su- it if, sorry. Um if you yeah, think about go ahead. If you think about it in terms of identity, like they have the most solid one. I feel like they know like who they are. Like they have a juggernaut offense. Like I every team like you can point at some holes. Like the Grizzlies, like their half court offense is like uh, you know, like not not great. Um, whereas the Nuggets, like that's what they lean on right now. They're they're leaning on just being like a dominant, dominant offensive team, and hopefully they can cobble up enough, um, yeah, en- enough on defense. And I think there's a possibility like that they can become a, a decent defensive team just because if you look at their rotation, like they have a lot of they, length up and down. They've the board. made a lot of improvement. KCP, I think Bruce Brown is such an incredible free agency move. For them. Oh yeah, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, so... Yeah, I Zeke, mean, I think Zeke Nanji, too. I mean, he's been there for a while, but I think he's taken a, a step this year. Yeah, um, for sure. Just, like, what he brings, like, crashing crashing the glass. I think he's a little more active on defense than uh, Michael Porter Jr. Like, they just have a lot of length on the board to make up maybe for, you know, Jokic not, um, you know, the, yeah. the deficiency that comes with, like, having Jokic being your defense, your five on defense. Um, if they had the... Um, the Timberwolves like forward length and defensive activity, especially last year when that included Jared Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I think we'd be looking at them as like very easily the best team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like having just like crazy athletic wings. Um, yeah. 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 I could, I could, I could definitely, definitely. And that's, that. that's what they're trying to go for again with Aaron Gordon. Like you said, Zeke Najee's like that mold. Um, Bruce Brown, and I think they're doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah, just not like incredible, but yeah, but that you don't hard. need to be incredible right now for the the Western Conference. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you want to move on to our last player? Yeah, is that a was it AD? No, no. You said you wanted to talk about Jason Tatum. Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about Tatum yet. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. Tatum you're kind of seeing it all come together like last year like the playmaking he really started to figure out like the second half of last year um, and that's 100% carried over to this year I mean he's driving really good offense um, for the Celtics and he's also getting to the rim um, pretty well too he's d- doing a lot better job just finishing you don't see as many of these off balance just like smoking layups um, he's converting a lot better 
Um, yeah, I mean, those are just like two small areas, but I mean, when you're that good, like those, that's like the type of leaps you're looking for. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because, like, in the past, he's been very reliant on his three point shooting to get like, I think that's where most of his offensive value came from. Just his shooting at that size, like, while being able to handle the ball, and he's only shooting thirty five percent from three this year yet it's undoubtedly his best season. And I think that's just because all these like little improvements that he's making in every other aspect of his game. Yeah. Um, I think it also helps a lot the, the core or not the core, but like the group they have around Tatum, just like all the different yeah, threats to sure. attack closeouts. Um, this is kind of a thought I, I had recently and me and Yash are thinking about doing a, a pod on this, just about like, connectors on offense and I, I think it's really helping Tatum that like because Tatum if you think of him and like Jalen Brown like they aren't guys that are gonna be like blow by like clear advantage like those type of guys like they're not creating like insane separation like on the ball when it like the way they yeah. score is more like creating separation for like getting buckets and like stuff like that but the thing is like you don't need to create those like high level types of advantages for the rest of the Celtics because like Marcus Smart, Brogdon, Derek White, Grant Williams, Al Horford, they're all like elite level spot up guys, not in terms of even like making shots, but just like attacking closeouts and making like one dribble in a decision or like getting into the paint. Like those, those guys are all so good at that, that it just kind of elevates the offense and elevates like Tatum's play. Yeah, for sure. I have nothing to add. I think you honestly hit it right on the head. Yeah. for, for um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, yeah, it's just, like, all the, like, the little micro-improvements. Um, and then, like, you add that with just, like, how good of a team they have now. I think it's just, like, you know, a perfect – it all comes together really well for, for the Celtics. And in my opinion, that's my championship favorite for the, the Celtics, even though, like, recently their offenses kind of hit a lull. But that's just more, like, just the shooting, which I, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I was – like, if you want to talk about the Celtics for a minute, I was a little skeptical of how good their offense looked to start the season. Um, be just because last year their offense at times really didn't look like that impressive. Yeah, it was a bit stagnant. Yeah, and it was it's a little hard for me to buy that over one off season where their only big addition was uh, Malcolm Brogdon that all of a sudden they just turned into this offensive juggernaut number one in the league, but. What I will say is they definitely have improved. Um, I know some of their sets are more creative with Marcus Smart acting more like a regular point guard than he was in the past. And again, Malcolm Brogdon himself has been a big like addition and these improvements from Tatum and Brown. So I do think like their offense definitely is a lot better than it was last year. And their defense hasn't been quite as good. But I don't see any reason why it can't get back to that level. So if they can, like, even if the offense slips a little as, like, compared to how it's been all season. So instead of being, like, runaway first in the league, it's, like, fifth or, like, maybe a little lower. But they're still, like, the best defense in the league. Like, last season, they are one of the best defenses ever. So if they can get back to that while still having a lot of these improvements on offense, I don't see any reason why they're not the best team in the league. Yeah, and kind of the same line of thinking as you. Like, I don't really see, like, 
why like obviously the like historic first place offense like that a little shooting luck is involved but i think their process on offense um is been a lot better even compared to last year like last year i had I complaints agree. complaints about just like stagnancy like just the ball just stopped moving sometimes just a lot of hero ball type shots and i don't really see that as much anymore like the ball really moves side to side for them um, yeah, and I also like a little agree. little cool little thing to do is like the ball the ball rolling thing um i don't know if you've seen that like they waste time by like yeah. In the, if it's not in the last two minutes, the game clock still runs. The shot clock doesn't. So if they're up, they'll just like roll the ball, um, and they like screen off the guy, try to like make Marcus Smart pick up the ball, which is pretty cool. And then the defense starts like creeping up a little bit. And then boom! Now you're like you have an advantage because all the defense like shifted all the way up into the front court, and then now you're attacking the downhill. So like just like little stuff like that. Um, I think their offensive process as a team, and even like probably the coaching staff. Um, it, it's changed. I don't see why they can't tap into the back, tap into that back into the playoffs. And like you said, the defense like hasn't been the best this year, but they're still I, I think they'll done. be fine. Yeah, I mean the personnel wise, they've, they've only Williams, improved. Yeah, exactly. They've only gotten better. Brogdon's yeah. a plus on that end. So if anything, they should be even better on defense. And if that is the case, they should be the best team in the NBA because they definitely did improve on offense. Yeah, hey, we might see a little Jokic Tatum duel for the championship. Little Nuggets, Nuggets that Celtics. Would pretty, that would be a fun, fun series. Yeah, that would definitely be a fun series. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's it. You have any last things you want to say? No, I, I think that yeah, this, I enjoyed it. I don't have anything more to add. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. I really appreciate it. Uh, I was in a little bit of a squeeze. You really helped me out here last second. Yeah, definitely. So thanks for that. And, uh, let the viewers know where they can find you. Yeah, so you can follow um, like my podcast account at Beyond the Arc Eight. Um, so me, and then I don't know if you guys know who who Mathcaball is. Um, Mathcaball on Twitter, and then uh, Gavin O'Leary Nine on Twitter. We we have our own NBA podcast, similar topics to what you do, uh, Kia. Kind of just like really in depth um, NBA type stuff. We have a pretty good time, and then I I do some writing for. Um, Canis Hoopus for the, the SB Nation affiliate for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, so my personal account where I'll post more of that stuff is at mho um, underscore KJ. But yeah, appreciate you having me on, Kia. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I'm Kia. This is a podcast from The Dispatch. Check us out there. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. See you. See you.